Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. James Yarcho, who is the Bucks Nation editor, as well as the host of the Locked On Buccaneers, and he joins us now. James, appreciate it, man. How you doing this afternoon? It's been a busy time. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'm I'm a little bummed that it's under these circumstances. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So let's just start right there where I think that this past weekend it was leaking out and there were rumblings towards Adam Schefter's report that Tom Brady was going to be retiring, held out, but then today he officially announces it. Uh, were you a little surprised by Tom Brady calling it quits now? Did you expect him to play another year? I mean, what was your overall reaction? I honestly did expect him to play another year. You know, he did that one-year extension last year, helped freed up some, some cap space so they could make another run at it in 2021 and you know all those reports started trickling out and then it comes out that he called jason light and said that he hadn't made a decision and then on his podcast last night he says that he's still going through the you know the process of deciding what he's going to do and and i kind of felt like you know what even even if he was leaning towards retirement he's the kind of competitive guy that would say you know what you you took my own announcement away from me over the weekend overshadowed the conference championships. Now I'm going to come back another year and play anyway, just to prove you wrong. Uh, but you know, it ended up not being the case. And, and at 44 years old in a 22 year career, he was ready to hang it up and can't really say that I blame him, but that's one heck of a way to go out losing it in the divisional round at home. But you know, still being at the top of your game is it's still a little surprising. How much of it do you think that Tom Brady's family was a factor in this decision? Uh, as you mentioned, he did sign that extension. He had one year left. He talked for a number of years that he wanted to play till he's 45, so that one year would have given him that season at 45, and he would have had that one year on his contract to play out. So family was a big part of this decision as well. Yeah, I think so. I think that was the number one factor. And, in fact, you go back to – Super Bowl 55 after the game and, and Giselle asked him, what do you still have to prove? And maybe he wanted to try to try to win back-to-back for the first time since he did it with the Patriots. I'm not really sure, but you know, he still had that, that love of the game and you know, love the, the competitiveness of everything. But I think the absolute number one factor was Giselle and, and their children and you know, still being able to you know be an active part of their lives and not having them put things on hold so that he can continue to play what he's already done so much for the sport. So what do you think he ends up doing now? I think that's always a question anytime somebody retires. Do they do broadcasting, going to coaching? Do they just chill and do nothing? What, what do you think is going to happen with Tom Brady? Well, he has uh, you know, the movie production company out in Los Angeles that he's, uh, that he's a part of. He's co-founded the, you know, in, an autograph website. He's got the TV12 uh, method company that he runs. He now has the Brady brand of clothing. And I think this really kind of, his time in Tampa really kind of opened him up to being able to discover, look, I can do things that I love, still make a lot of money doing it, and I'm not getting you know smacked in the face by 390-pound guys coming off the line. So, you know, I think a combination of, of all those things and, and getting to kind of put his feelers out and, and see what he likes doing and, and what he can do well and maybe what he doesn't like doing and, and get away from those things. But he has plenty of business ventures now that he can focus on while getting to spend time with, with his family and, and not have to go through the rigors of 
training camp and, and OTAs and, and a full regular season and, and playoffs and just kind of get to be a, a normal guy at this point, as normal as Tom Brady could be anyway. Tom Brady has a signing bonus that's scheduled to be paid out on February 4th, and many thought that that was why this decision officially was delayed. So what's the status of that 15 mil? Now, he did defer it from the beginning of the season to put it off to this date. So what's the status on that now that he retired prior to that February 4th date? Well, the, the status of the date is completely irrelevant. Uh, you know, that was money that, that he had already put off. So the Buccaneers would, would have to pay that regardless of if he retired or not. But on the flip side, Brady now has to pay back $16 million. So it kind of offsets itself that, you know, the, the whole deferment to February 4th with the signing bonus really wasn't a factor at all because, you know, one way or another, there was money going in and out for, for both parties. The, the big thing now is that Brady's retirement leaves the Buccaneers with $24 million in dead cap when they have no quarterback and they have 25 pending free agents, including guys like Chris Godwin, Indomitian Sue, Carlton Davis, you know, some key players on, on this football team that are now set to get big paydays, and, and the Bucks have $24 million sitting there in, in dead cap that they can't use. We're speaking with James Yarcho, the editor of Bucks Nation here on Out of Bounds. James, I, I know that we talked about the possibility of Tom Brady, and because I, I thought he was coming back for another year as well, and when he didn't. But just looking at the team and the roster, you went through a few of it. Can this team, would this team have competed for another Super Bowl, possibly won us another Super Bowl next year? And if that's the case, I think that's what makes it so surprising, surprising with Tom Brady is, is he, if he felt like he, was, he could have been on a team once again that could have won a Super Bowl, I feel like that would have been the ideal time for him to come back. Yeah, the, the Buccaneers worked a lot of cat magic last year. There's no question about it. They they deferred some money down the line. You know, we've seen the New Orleans Saints do it for years and years and years, keep picking that can down the road. And I think they would have fielded a team that could compete for a Super Bowl again next year. The the big hurdle, of course, is Chris Godwin. And you no longer have Antonio Brown there. Uh, you know, he obviously left in a very uh, unceremonious way. But, you know, bringing back Chris Godwin would have been huge. To pair with Mike Evans there, you could address wide receiver in free agency or in the draft. But other key guys like Leonard Fournette, along the, the number one offensive line in the NFL last year, you have Ryan Jensen at center and Alex Kappa as the starting guard, both pending free agents. You have lots of guys on the defensive side of the ball, including a couple of members of the secondary there. And like I mentioned, you have Indomitian Sue, who's a free agent. Jason Pierre-Paul is a free agent. But... The Buccaneers, you know, Jason White and, and his crew there in Tampa, they, they do such a phenomenal job of working around the cap, making things work, making things fit. And if Brady was going to commit to one more year, absolutely they would have put the absolute best team on the field that they could. I think they still will because obviously they're in a market for a quarterback. They still have plenty of Super Bowl champions and, and high-level, elite-level players on this roster. They can still compete. But now the biggest question is who's going to be under center. Uh, and a lot of it's going to get worked out in free agency. But the, the first and foremost, it starts with Chris Godwin. As far as the quarterbacks that are on the roster currently, they did draft a, a young quarterback in this past year's draft in Kyle Trask. So what's the overall feeling about Kyle Trask? Because they knew that it would come to an end at some point with Brady. So they, they have a young quarterback that they drafted. I think they would have liked another year of development and learning under Brady for Kyle Trask. Now, 
Trask has some, you know, some weapons in his arsenal that he can use, but I wouldn't say that if they hand the reins over to Kyle Trask, they're still in the driver's seat to win the NFC South or, or to compete for any kind of championship. I think he's a little ways away. There's still a lot of development that needs to happen there. You know, he has, he has some of the raw talent and the tools, but he's a long way away from, you know, being a, you know, top 12 quarterback in the NFL. He's, he's not going to be the second coming of Joe Burrow where he's starting a Super Bowl in his second season. So do you think that he is going to be the guy, though, going forward? Because I know that there's obviously some talks about some other quarterbacks maybe uh, looking for trades and whatnot. Somebody, of course, texted us was like, hey, what about Aaron Rodgers? He could come to the Buccaneers. Maybe that's pie in the sky. But uh, what's the situation look like? Are they going to go with Kyle Trask or maybe do they try to make some moves? I think they're going to try to make some moves first. Uh, If they need to, they will go with Kyle Trask. But I think you're looking at a situation – as, as excited as Buccaneers fans would be if they were to land a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, who last year seemed to be kind of tired of, of how things were going in Seattle, it's just going to cost too much in terms of, of draft capital. And then, of course, the money, which is, is limited. And you're not going to get the Packers or the Seahawks to trade you a quarterback within the NFC. Uh, so you start looking at, could Derek Carr, become available. He's the guy that would fit well in Bruce Arians' offense. There's still kind of the lingering questions around Deshaun Watson. Could Bruce Arians has a history of giving guys second chances. Could Deshaun Watson be a guy that comes in and can can start for the Buccaneers and, and maybe the draft capital won't be too much now that so many teams have balked at the asking price of, of the guaranteed picks and everything. If this turns into a conditional pick compensation the Buccaneers could definitely get involved in that. But it, it's starting to feel like very, obviously, very, very early in the process. You're kind of looking at a Jimmy Garoppolo kind of situation. If they're looking at free agency, uh, a guy that can come in and play, he's not going to go out there and, and will you to win, but he's also not going to torpedo your team. They would still be a playoff contending team with Jimmy Garoppolo, but they, they would still need to address some of the holes that they would have on defense in order to make that work. That'd be something if Jimmy Garoppolo is still in Tom Brady's shadow in some kind of way, but there are a lot of changes going along with this NFC South division altogether. You have the Saints with uncertainty with head coach and quarterback. The Panthers, who knows what they're going to do at quarterback, and then with the uh, Falcons, Matt Ryan is kind of winding down, so a lot on you know, of changes going on in the division as a whole, so it's not a lost cause for the Bucks. It's still kind of up in the air. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're going to you know over the course of the next week or so, we're probably going to get an answer at the head coaching spot for for the New Orleans Saints. But like I mentioned, they keep kicking that can down the road as far as you know deferring salary cap hits and things like that. And right now they're about seventy seven million dollars over the cap. So they have some work to do uh, you know, to get under that, be able to keep some guys. And, and like you said, they still have questions at quarterback. Did they give Jameis another opportunity to start down there? He played well until his injury. Uh, Taysom Hill is not the answer, in, in my opinion. So you know, the, the division could still be wide open, and, and the Buccaneers certainly have loads of talent. But you, you just have to address some of these holes that are, are about to open up with 25 pending free agents coming up here next month. 
Yeah, that's kind of going to be my next question of who's the biggest threat in that division because you, you mentioned it all. And, yeah, there's the, there's a lot of things that could end up happening. But I just look at all the other three franchises, and I'm like, there's there's issues. There's no coach. There's no quarterbacks. There's, you know, the Matt Rule situation over in Carolina. It's like some people think, like, he may be fired next year if he doesn't get it done. So it, it's just kind of an interesting division now where all four teams are going through some sort of transition or about to go through some sort of transition where you don't really know what to make of it. Yeah, I would still say that the New Orleans Saints are, are the biggest threat because they do still have that elite defense, and defenses can carry you uh, really, really far in the NFL. So if they can if they can get something worked out at the quarterback position, like I said, Jameis played really well for them until he got hurt, and then you have Michael Thomas looking to come back, and, and that would give whoever the quarterback is uh, a legitimate number one weapon instead of kind of these you know, it got to the point where it felt like there were parking lot attendants that were, you know, bringing cars in and then racing inside and putting on pads for the jersey to go up there to try to catch footballs for the New Orleans Saints. You still have Alvin Kamara there, who is just absolutely unbelievable. So I would say absolutely the Saints are still the biggest threat to the Buccaneers in the NFC South. It's just a matter of what do the Saints have to do to get under that cap? Are they going to have to get rid of some bigger names? Are they going to have to trade away, you know, a Michael Thomas in order to solve some of these issues. And, and once we get a new head coach in there, it'll be interesting to see how he plays things. But if I'm if I'm the New Orleans Saints, I'm looking really, really hard at Brian Flores right now. So of the 25 free agents, what position are they looking at most as far as needing the most help outside of quarterback? Because uh, prior to this season, you had linebackers that it, it was kind of a vital position that they were looking at saying, we need to bring these guys back. So where are they position-wise with free agency? What, what's most vital right now? Uh, I, I would say it's wide receiver and then uh, in the secondary. You know, wide receiver, if Chris Godwin were to move on, get a big money deal elsewhere, you're looking at basically the kind of the same receiver core that you had against the Rams in the divisional round. You have Mike Evans, you have Tyler Jones, you have Scotty Miller, and that's really all you have And at the same time. You have the running back position where the only running back they're going to have under contract is Keyshawn Vaughn, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, both free agents, and the tight end question. OJ Howard's a free agent. Rob Gronkowski is not going to come back without Tom Brady. Um, so all you have there is Cameron Bray. But on the flip side, the secondary struggled throughout the season. A big part of that was injuries. Carlton Davis this time, Sean Murphy Bunting this time, Jamel Dean this time. We have Carlton Davis who's about to become a free agent. You have Jordan Whitehead at safety. He was a huge player for the Bucks down the stretch this past year. He's about to become a free agent. So they have some marquee names at very, very critical spots. So it's hard to, to kind of narrow it down to just one. But, um, you know, I would say that, that the absolute biggest needs would be a wide receiver and corner. Uh, you can always address running back in the draft. But, unfortunately, Jason Light has not had a great track record of, of selecting running backs in the draft. You had Jeremy McNichols, who didn't work out. Ronald Jones, he had pretty much one good season. Keyshawn Vaughn hasn't really uh, lived up to what they were hoping he was going to be. Got to ask you once again, going back to Tom Brady, about his uh, message, his announcement officially. Mentioned a lot about the Bucks, about the team, about the, the, the administration, about the fans, about the city, everything about Tampa Bay. Did not mention one thing about the Patriots. People are trying to make a, a deal out of that. Do you think that that's significant, that he did not mention one single thing about the Patriots? No, not at all. And the reason is 
two years ago, he said his goodbye to the Patriots. He had a, a wonderful message that he posted about how he was moving on to the legal Patriots. did basically the exact same thing that he did with the Buccaneers in his announcement today. He, he thanked Robert Kraft. He thanked Bill Belichick. He thanked Josh McDaniels and, and the rest of the coaching staff. Thanked his fellow teammates. Thanked the fans. He did that goodbye already. So this, this goodbye was really to the last two years, to, to the Buccaneers team that he was a big part of it. And later on, you know, Robert Kraft released a message, and, and Tom Brady retweeted it and said, you know, thank you for everything. Thank you, Patriots Nation. Things of that nature. But, you know, that, that message that he sent out, uh, you know, it was a thank you for the last two years because as far as, in my opinion, as far as Brady was concerned, he said his thank yous for his 20 years in New England once already. As far as Bruce Arians, how, how much longer do you think he sticks around? He's a guy that has a track record of coaching great quarterbacks, Manning, Luck, Brady, Roethlisberger, and uh, even if you throw Jameis in there, you don't throw him in and say great, but a really good quarterback. And so that's kind of Bruce Arians' track record. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how much long uh, Bruce Arians is going to stick around. I, I kind of had felt like he and, and Brady were almost tied at the hip. And once it was time for Brady to leave, when I, when I thought he was going to play the three years, I figured that would be the time that Bruce would leave. Now, he's already said that he's staying for this year. Of course, you have Byron Leftwich still in the mix for the Jaguars' head coaching position. And if he leaves, Bruce has said he's taking back play calling. So it may be one year, maybe two years. But you know, Bruce is a guy that has had some health issues in the past, and, and he's not getting any younger. I would say you're looking at probably at the absolute maximum three years, but I would lean closer to probably two for Bruce Arians. And, and maybe maybe he decides to hang it up after this year and they end up promoting Todd Bowles and uh, Bowles becomes the head coach of the Buccaneers to try to keep some, some continuity there. But I don't, I don't think uh, B.A. is going to be sticking around too much longer. I know that you're an NFL guy, and obviously the Super Bowl, you'd love for the Bucks to be there, but instead you got the uh, Los Angeles Rams, which I don't think anyone's surprised about, especially heading into this year. But what is a surprise is the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow being in the Super Bowl. What do you make of this matchup, and do you think that Cincinnati can pull off another major upset in beating the Rams in the Super Bowl? I, it's such a tough game to call because, you know, I got to watch the Rams twice go up against the best offensive line in football and just absolutely massacre the Buccaneers and, and get to Tom Brady time after time after time. And they do have such an explosive offense, but the Cincinnati Bengals just shut down an explosive offense for an entire half for such an improbable comeback victory. My biggest thing, and I'm, I'm friends and, and around a lot of diehard Bengals fans, and I have said if the Bengals' offensive line performs the way that it did against the Tennessee Titans, the Rams are going to absolutely destroy this Bengals team. If they can give Joe Burrow three seconds, just three seconds, to get rid of the football, I think the Bengals can pull off an upset and beat the Rams in SoFi Stadium. There's something, it's hard to put your finger on it outside of, of Joe Burrow and then uh, Money Mack, Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker. There's just something special about this Bengals team. And it's I'm not sure if it's they're they're too young to know they're not supposed to be playing as well as they are. If it's the leadership that has come over in the form of guys like Trey Hendrickson 
but there's there's something special about this Bengals team, and I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if we see, you know, Joe Burrow hoisting the first Lombardi Trophy uh, 